0: Digital 410 proudly presents the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast with your hosts Don Abernathy, Jeff Copsetta, and Henry Sledge.
1: What is going on? Welcome to another episode of the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast. I still cannot get used to this new theme song, but that's what happens. Uh, I think we may have to bring Jeff up to speed on that. He wasn't here around for that. But before we get to that, I just want to welcome everybody to the show. I want to welcome our friend, Mr. Henry Sledge. And Jeff Copsetto is back again. And for those of you joining us live on uh, YouTube and Facebook and Twitch and everywhere else, you're you're like, who's that gentleman in the bottom right-hand corner? Well, for those of you who've been around with the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast for a long time, you know, you know who this is. He's a return guest, Mr. Galen Wagner. Galen, how you doing tonight, sir?
2: Good, man. Good. How are y'all?
1: Oh, we're doing fantastic. Now, before we get to the main reason we have you on, we got to give you credit to where credit is due because of you. You have finalized the staff here at the What's This going About podcast. You have brought us to what we are today because of you, one Mr. Henry Sledge is sitting here. And i got to tell you, um, as a World War II enthusiast and a PTO enthusiast and a fan of the show, um, I think Jeff can agree with me where the morning we woke up, we got this random email from you saying, Hey, um, Eugene Sledge's son wants to come on your show. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Jeff, guess what? Jeff, guess what? You'll never believe this. So thank you so much. Um, let's bring yeah. our, our fans up to speed. How did the whole thing, how did Henry reach out to you and, and you reach out to us and how did you help complete the show lineup to what it is today?
2: He, uh, he did not think Henry, if I remember right, you. You uh, posted something in one of the, uh, World War II Facebook groups about thinking about doing a podcast and, you know, wondering if there was enough audience to do a podcast. And I saw that and I just shot you a message and said, Hey, if you're interested, I know a pretty cool dude that hosts a podcast that would probably would love to have you on do a couple of shows, see how you like it. And then if you hate it, you don't ever have to do it again. And if you love it, then you can continue to do it. And I mean, that's basically it. Just the, yeah, uh, <clears throat> post.
0: that's spot on. I mean, Galen's right on it. That I put that out there. And the cool thing about it, Galen, is I I love. Well, yeah, I mean, so Don had me on not once but twice, and well, Don and Jeff had me on. And then uh, Jeff said something. We were talking a couple weeks later, and he had mentioned that there was you guys are supposed to jeff correct me if i'm wrong you're supposed to have a b24 gunner on but don couldn't make the show and then the guy actually he was like literally at the end of his life of course and you got the word he couldn't be on but you you and i were just talking on the phone about models and you said yeah man don don was going to be busy couldn't be on and that guy you know you only get so many chances with a a world war ii a living world war ii vet or something and and i just said hey man you know if you ever need somebody to pinch hit i could i could carry on a conversation with a b24 gunner and then jeff just said well yeah let's how would you like to just i mean i think i'm remembering this right if i'm wrong tell me and it was really jeff's i mean galen put me in touch with with you guys but it was kind of jeff's idea yeah. Yeah. You know. And then he said, "I said, well, you know, Don's. You got to make sure it's okay with him." And so yeah, and Jeff they, reached
1: out to me and he said, "Hey, uh, you know, instead of Henry launching his own podcast and building an audience, how do you feel about him coming on the show?" I said, "Well, it's funny you say that because I was thinking the same thing since the last episode. We just hadn't talked. Yeah. So Jeff and I basically formulated the same plan without being in communication with each other." And so when he brought it up to me, I was like, well, yeah, it's a no-brainer. So we reached out to you and said, said, and said, hey, you know, instead of investing in equipment and, you know, if you if you want to do your own show, I'd be happy to help get you up and running and show you how to do it if you want to join our show. And then uh, our chemistry was so great, and uh, here we are.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't be happier with the way it worked out, I mean, honestly. It's kind of funny because, you know, after Henry was on,
2: the first time I listened to it, and I was like, man, that was great, and you know, then, uh, you're on there again and I listened to it and I was like, yeah, that's really, that's, you know, it's really cool. And then all of a sudden I, a few weeks later, or I don't know, maybe a month later I saw the podcast and it was like, Hey, Henry's a permanent part of the crew now. So I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Worked out great. I mean, it's like worlds collide, you know, and of course I'm from mobile. Um, and, uh, and uh, Eugene Sledge was from mobile and of course, uh, Sid phillips was from mobile so you know uh, it's it's funny how um we know a lot of the same people but have never really you know met before john just answered a post and said hey if you're interested let me know i knew john would love to have you on you know and, and so it was kind of like help don out but help you out at the same time
0: oh yeah
1: 100%. galen how many years did you serve in the Corps?
2: I did, uh, uh, just shy of 10 years, uh, June of 1990 to November of 1999.
1: So would that be considered career or how many years do you have to put in to be quote unquote career?
2: Well, uh, quote quote unquote retirement is 20 years, but in, in the Marine Corps, it's really 30 years. So from 20 to 30, you're kind of like on an active reserve and, um, so you retire at 20, but until you're 30, you hit 30 years. Your commitment is not really up. You can be called back, and and uh, before Desert Storm, some guys were called back. Uh, we had a guy in our, I was in uh, six Marine regiments, anti tank platoon, and we had a, um, it was that we were in headquarters company, and they called back a master gunnery sergeant that had a lot of nuclear, biological, and chemical experience. That I think he had been retired. Uh, he retired at like 25, and he was like three years into it, and they called him back for that so
1: well the reason i ask is because i know once a marine always a marine but then i know there's some people who are gambling wagner usmc retired and some people don't have retired so it's like how do you address somebody and so that's the reason why i asked what the official term before you get the retirement appended to the end of the name
2: i got i got an honorable discharge after nine years and nine months and something and if you you got to get 20 to retire so you know if you do 20 you retire and then you can kind of call yourself retired. And that comes with a whole different kind of thing of, you know, shopping at the commissary, going to base hospital, um, 10 years, get you VA if they'll have you. And, uh, you know, so I've got an honorable discharge, not a retirement.
1: Gotcha. Now it's kind of funny. We've come full circle in two ways. One, as we just said, you introduced us to Henry, but two, I can't believe it's been five years already. Um, oh
2: man, it's crazy.
1: How I got introduced to Galen is um, he put on one of my favorite events, actually two events, uh, the 75th anniversary of the landing at Tarawa at Fort Morgan, Alabama, and then what was the following year we did Peleliu, and then the year after that was COVID, I think. I don't know. We lost two years because of COVID. And then you stepped down, or did you organize the following year that was more of a um, finer timeline?
2: Yeah, that that Victory in the Pacific event that we did where it was kind of like everybody do you know anything pacific theater themed for the end of the war you know um and we had some marines and army and japanese and australians and just whatever anybody wanted to do and then the following year last year i guess that uh victory in the pacific would have been 21 and then in march of 2022 we did uh wake island and the philippines yeah it was a pretty good pretty good event it was kind of hard to get guys out for that because the uniform requirements and Weapons and are all that early stuff. That's
1: know? why I couldn't make that one because I could not get. I have pretty much everything else, but I could not get my hand on a, a Springfield. All I have was an yeah. M1 Garand, and so I I couldn't make that. But with all that being said, coming up this November in 2023, it is the 80th anniversary of the Tarawa Landings. That's right. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Now, because of you and the 75th anniversary, you fulfilled my bucket list item of doing an aquatic landing from a landing craft in full gear. Yeah. And that'll always go down as one of my favorite things I've ever done. And it wasn't just, oh, we're going to ride out from the beach, turn around, and come back in. We had a nice two mile trek in and that was a good time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was really amazing. The, uh, the regional military museum over in Homa brought their LCVP over and, Um, We were kind of expecting to Mark Coke out of Louisiana. He works offshore a lot, and he put his boat in for uh, some maintenance and ended up having some pretty significant engine problems that didn't get repaired before the event, so he couldn't come. But I think –
1: Well, because of Hurricane Matthew, wasn't it? What's that now? Wasn't it because of Hurricane Matthew, he couldn't get it out of – there was a hurricane that hit the panhandle short, like three or four weeks before then. And he, so he didn't have time to get it out and get the inspections and, and get the repairs done because of all the, hurricane. Yeah,
2: yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think his uh, um, like it, maybe his fuel injectors were leaking or something, which is obviously a fire hazard. I don't remember exactly what it was, but we may do with the one boat. And it's funny, you know, cause we did the dry runs on, uh, Thursday and then the weather Friday was actually, we did them on Wednesday and the weather thursday was just horrible i mean like almost hurricane like tropical storm and then friday the weather was kind of bad and saturday the bay was like a sheet of glass couldn't work out any better but we didn't account for the weight when we did the dry run so when you had 25 guys on that thing plus guns it and goes gear considerably slower you know
1: well and i was also lucky to have on my landing craft which we had on the podcast we had a. Uh, Clay Bonnyman Evans, the author of Bones, right. My Grandfather. And you yeah. you invited him down there because his grandfather, as we all know, you know, post got the Medal of Honor. He died during the landings a few hours later. And we you invited him down. And people being in the community, as great as they are, we able to get enough outfits and uniform parts that fit him. And he was able to basically ride and kind of experience that part. Because, you know, he had already been down to the Pacific and saw where the battle was. But. Now he actually kind of got to walk the mile in shoes, full uniform on the landing craft. Right. And I just happened to take a selfie and didn't realize he was standing behind me and his, he had a thousand yard stare. You could just tell he was up in his head thinking about what his grandfather and his grandfather's friends were going through on that day. And now he, he he was in the zone
2: for sure. And, you know, I'm sure most of the listeners know, but some maybe not. And, you know, his, his grandfather was Lieutenant Sandy Bonnieman and he, um, it, second battalion, Eighth Marines was pinned down on the beach for, you know, 48 hours on day three, um, Bonneman grabbed a, uh, I think 21 Marines to go with him total of 22 and, uh, assaulted the large Japanese bunker that kind of had two eight pinned down on the beach. And there's a video of the whole thing. And uh, of course he was killed on top. And, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think it was all, but, uh, a small number. I don't remember exactly how many of them actually made it, but it wasn't, was a very many. And, uh, but basically that action allowed two eight to get off the beach and continue pushing inland. on. And of course, you know, the other battalions of uh, regiments of second Marine division were trying to come from the end of the Island to kind of meet up and, and collapse everything. So it was really a big deal. And, uh, he was, uh, his body was buried on, uh, Basio Island and, you know, for years and years and years they didn't do anything and then clay got hooked up with history flight and they started bringing those guys home and they're still bringing them home every now you know uh clay was actually there when they uncovered his grandfather's remains on Tarawa, so uh, that's pretty crazy that um then he of course he's written a book um about his grandfather and his whole experience and I think it's what, Bones of My Grandfather? Yeah, Bones Uh, of My Grandfather. Bones of My Grandfather is a great book. Henry, if you hadn't read it, I think you would really like it. Yeah,
0: I need to read it.
1: Yeah, because not only does he give the background and as much as he could explain of his grandfather's experience, but then he talks about the current state of the island, well, at the time you wrote the book, four or five, six years ago, and then his experiences of um, not only being there when his grandfather's bones were recovered, but kind of... The issue, the organization who does this work, they kind of go through and all the problems they have and then kind of the, the false findings. Oh, we think we may have found them. Nope. And, and it goes to the whole history of why these Marines were quote unquote lost because, you know, as we just stated, they had to uh, dig these graves up and relocate them or thought they did so they could build runways and, and logistics on the, on the atoll. But sadly, um, some of the plans got lost, some of the grave markers got lost and there's like entire sections of plots, multiple men who were buried there. The maps of the graves were just gone. No one knew where they were.
2: Yeah. And then when they did start finding them, things had been built on top of some of them. So they, you know, and they had to, but it's, yeah, it's really a crazy story. And the history flight does that. It would, you know, the defense, uh, it's deep DPAA. I forget defense personnel. Something I think is the ones who kind of started it and they just really weren't getting anywhere. And history flight sort of took over and, and, uh, Man, they're bringing them home pretty regular now. You know, getting them back is one thing. Identifying them is another thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have remains uh, that they still have not identified. Yeah, because... So they can't yeah. can't send them home to be buried until they identify them. So.
1: And 80 years ago, we didn't exactly take, you know, DNA samples of all our guys who enlisted. So, right. there's right. no dental records and dog tags, and
2: it's hard to find. Yeah, shameless plug-in. I talked to Clay uh, last week, and he's going to uh, Tarawa, obviously for the 80th anniversary, but that's later in the month. So he's going to try to make it back to Fort Morgan for the 80th. And we'll
1: have, uh, we'll have some more people from the organization come on later on this year when it gets closer. But the reason I want to have you on so early is because an event like this does take some travel for people, does take some timing and we want to make people aware of it. And so they can look at the calendar and they can start organizing and join the Facebook page and start seeing the uniform code and make sure they have all the equipment. Yeah. And one of the things I've said on this podcast many times the last five years, this will be one of the few events you go to where you wake up, you step out of your tent, and do a full 100 and 360 degrees, and with the exception of the bathroom from the park service up about 2,000 yards away, you will not see a single car, anything resembling modern day, because there's berms, there's 20-foot berms around this area, and we park on the other side. So it's one of the few events that you can damn near get fully immersed, and there's And it's also the first event I've been to where everybody has on the exact same uniforms, the proper tents, everything's lined up. And you almost feel like you're on a movie set. And it's just, it's a great way to spend three or four
2: days. Yeah. And, you know, um, Charlie Smith, who um, he uh, was, I know he was a sergeant, may have been a staff sergeant, uh, went to OCS and just got commissioned a couple of years ago, year and a half maybe ago. He's now a battery commander up at Camp Lejeune for uh, 10th Marines. And he's going to, the company commander and Corey Schultz, who's an um, active duty Marine Corps captain, is going to be one of the platoon commanders. Jack Spittler, who uh, was a Marine mortarman, is going to command a platoon. And then my son actually is going to command a platoon to be the platoon leaders and uh, the high platoon sergeant. So we're going to, you know, my goal would be to try to get, you know, a hundred man company with three platoons. We're going to have some heavy stuff, you know, some 1919s, 1917s. Um, trying possibly to get the uh, 37 millimeter gun back from the National World War II Museum. Um, And then we'll have a team of guys run that thing. And the LCVP from Homa has been permanently removed from the water. So there's no chance of it coming back, but we do have an LVT that we're... I would say it's possible, not probable at this point. But, um, you know, short of the amphibious landing and in uh, significantly increasing the authenticity guidelines with some new information. And, you know, I gotta give props to Josh Kerner up in Virginia. Man, that guy, he can find any piece of information that you want him to find. You know, we've got the landing order. We know exactly what they were wearing. Um, some new products have come out, like, you know, what Price Glory's got the riveted shape knapsacks now. So we really want to dial in the authenticity standards and. You know, for I always tell people 4Morgan is not your average what I call hoot and shoot that some events are um, because we don't do the hit-taking thing, um, you know, so it's basically a, a tactical battle demonstration. And even though we, we won't have landing craft, and obviously if we get the LVT, we'll be in good shape. But even if we don't, we're going to start the scenario on the beach, and we're actually this time going to try to, center the scenario around bonnieman's bunker because two eight supported that assault and uh, we've got a group of guys led by phil brinson that are going to do the uh i think first battalion of the 18th marines that were the engineers and pioneers Uh, of course bonnieman was in 18th marines he was the shore party commander for red beach three which was um two eight beach, and um i mean it's just like you know and then you take the map of fort morgan in the map of base of the Tarawa atoll and lay them side by side and you're like is that the same island you know they're they're really shaped a, a lot of life mm-hmm. and so it, it couldn't be a more perfect site and you know hopes for a landing craft some sort but if we don't get it i mean i, I really you know i really think that um the, the guys will get an experience like they haven't had in another event if they've never been to this one
1: so if you live on the east coast of the United States and you do a Marine Corps impression, a CB impression, whatever, you really need to put this on your calendar. This needs to be your bucket list. Um, this is like the almost you know, I don't know. Well, once again, it's one of my favorite events. And we have, are we going to do the mess again this year?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. We'll have a <laughs> Marine Corps birthday cake cutting ceremony and uh, do a mess night there probably Saturday night. Cause we'll do that. The night tactical. Did we do a night tactical at Peleliu? yeah came.
1: i just showed up it was cold right. and the guys yeah. were out in the woods popping off rounds and they all came back completely soaking wet and as sad as i was to miss it it was a little chilly and i still yeah. was nice and dry and my clean socks and everybody
2: else yeah i mean was you know Fort Morgan in november can be you know 50 degrees or it can be 80 degrees you never know but um we'll definitely do that night tactical on friday night um we've got a really good group of uh, japanese reenactors that are going to do the the uh, naval landing force and uh hiroki from japan has has already messaged me he's flying in i'm hoping takanori will come as well we do have a guy coming from france which is kind of interesting he's going to be in the in the united states and he's planning on coming over from florida so really cool you know we're gonna um we'll have a a really good group of, of japanese that are super into authenticity mm-hmm. and making sure that you know the thing about uh, pacific theater reenacting or like all living history um is that so i think sometimes the japanese guys feel like they're they're just there to be shot at yeah you know and we try to give them an experience and we try to allow them to um educate the spectators and public that come as much on you know what how the japanese soldiers fought and lived and the mentality and you know it's not uh, I mean, you remember at Peleliu, I mean, the the greatest thing that's happened to me at Fort Morgan, I think, besides watching Clay run off of that landing craft <laughs> onto the beach, was probably uh, Takanori. You know, and, and Henry and Jeff may not know this, but they came from Japan. He was a Japanese Defense Force uh, airborne battalion commander and Ranger School instructor. But uh, they they came in and I grabbed them and brought them down to the fort and then. You know, we went over to the Naval Aviation Museum in Pensacola and I like, really got to kind of spend some time with them. And uh, it turns out I was a pitcher in high school and Takanori was a catcher in high school. And we're about the same age. So there's a video somewhere of me and him throwing a baseball back and forth. I'm in my Marine uniform and he's in his uh, uniform, IJA uniform, like his grandfather wore. And we're just tossing the baseball back and forth, you know.
1: My favorite was, moment. That was pretty cool. My pretty favorite cool. moment is when you strapped the uh, flamethrowers on them. We had flamethrower demonstrations.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> when well, we strapped Hiroki, I uh, strapped it on Hiroki, yeah, and he. I tell you, those guys. Yeah, they That's really cool that they. You know that they'll fly all the way from Tokyo mm-hmm. to come to the to these events. They came to Peleliu. and because of, cause they were going to come back the next year, and because of COVID, we didn't have anything. And they've really, uh, Japan's really been kind of hit hard. So they're just now starting to kind of open back up. And, travel and stuff you
1: know so and so if you guys are interested in finding out more head over to facebook.com and the search engine is just type the 80th anniversary of Terrell fort morgan alabama november 3rd i'm sorry yeah november 3-5 um uh, because it's the third to the fifth it's all weekend, 2023 and uh, you can join up and get all the pertinent information for uniform codes dates requirements this that and the other thing and see some fantastic photos from five years ago and get all the information you need and keep up the date and um it's definitely it's definitely an event you all want to attend to well Galen, i want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, thanks for coming yeah, on and giving us some time and like i said later on this year we'll uh, have you or someone from the organization back to uh do a little refresher and try to get some uh, more people to attend
2: yeah maybe we get you and jeff and henry over there and do a podcast from the event in november
1: It's it's a possibility. I know uh, Jeff and Henry have something secretive going on that they may not be available, but it's a nice backup plan if they are available. So uh, that's always a possibility. But thank you, sir. I will definitely be there, and I may have bells on. I haven't quite decided. But uh, (laughs) we'll see. And and thank you, sir.
0: Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one. Good to meet you. Nice
2: to meet you, Henry.
1: And so we're going to move on. Now, Jeff, you have been away for a while. I know you have a lot to talk about. So let's get caught up, friend.
3: Yeah, I don't, man. I don't even know where to start because there's so many little like segues from Galen. That I yeah, don't have to talk about, he, but
1: well, we'll have him on again. I just, you know, I want to get that plug out there. I want to thank him for bringing Henry to our attention, but I didn't want to focus an entire hour and a half show on it. So uh, we'll have him back on, and uh, we need to get caught up because uh, well, we missed you, fella.
3: Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I did, I didn't feel that way when you guys talk about things like Twelve O'clock High. Yeah, and. It, <laughs> It's like
0: these guys. <laughs> I would have been happier. For the record, I would have been happier if you were here. All right, man. Trust me. But I we also got to. Here.
1: We got to make it sting when you miss a show. We can't let just let you just go off like that. So we got to make it hurt <laughs> just a little bit.
0: So, well, it it worked. So it we, worked. We,
1: we we've done two episodes on the you know air core, so we're past that now. So you must
0: Look, I, I was hurting for things because Don's like, what do we talk about? I'm like, I got to come up with something, and I just started Big Week by James Holland. I mean. So I'm like, here we got to do that, you know, something. So we give the listeners a show. And by the way,
1: <laughs> I think you have officially started the first WTSP communal book because you sent me your wing of a prayer and I'm just about done with it. I want to mail it down to Henry next. And so we have our first communal book between the three of us. Which Good.
3: <laughs> yeah. That I, that's actually the first book I ever read about the air war. That's
1: a fantastic I probably read. read
3: it. I was still <clears throat> in high school. I was still in high school when I read it. And, um, Somehow, and, and I think I was—you know—obviously I was rougher on paperbacks at that age than I am now. You, you and don't, it was, it was a thick.
1: Yeah, yeah. It a thick
3: paperback, and I want to say before I was done reading it that it just simply because it is so thick. Yeah, it's, it's not a very good paperback. Um, because it just came apart. Yeah. And I don't know, I I ended up either getting rid of it, or when I moved to Texas when I was 16, I just was like, you know what, I'll get another one. And I think I've had that book come my way three different times now. So, you know, like I told you, as I get duplicates or whatever and I don't have, you know, necessarily a need here at the museum for the library or whatever, you you guys are going to, it's you know, care of Jeff Copsetta. Uh,
1: And and I told you all before, I wasn't a big Eric or, you know, person per se, because I really hadn't dipped my toe in it. This book is so great. Now I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to step away from PTO and ETO for a while. My next four or five books are going to be this guy. So yeah.
0: uh, I'm looking forward to that. reading it for sure.
3: So, yeah, Um I had a lot going on, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of briefly touch. Uh, it's still somewhat related to us, but I did have something that kind of changed, and I'm, and I'm very proud to announce that I was just very recently – um, you guys know I sit on the board of directors for our little public library here in town, which uh, by the way is is really well known for its genealogy department, which really comes in handy with historians and we do have a lot of World War II things come through for people looking for you know guys who served and whatnot and um, so I was just recently elected I was kind of caught off guard, but I was I was elected the president of the board and so the next two years, um, that's going to be yet another yet another responsibility but I'm very I, I'm very humbled um and again it, it's kind of there's a lot of World War II connections to it because you know we had a really successful show a few few weeks ago with with my buddy Dennis Blocker mm-hmm. and I met him because going around the old historic square I was going to the bank and I just saw a little sandwich board sign that said Pacific War Historian this Saturday a little sign in front of the library I've never done I've never been to a library public program or a bo- author book talk, whatever you want to call it. But when I saw Pacific War Story, I was like, you know, I got to go. Absolutely. So I did. I listened to his amazing story. I had a great PowerPoint and pictures that went along with it to tell the story about the book Heart of Hell. And we just kind of, uh, you know, hit it off, right? And... I don't know maybe two three months after that he invited me as his guest to go to the symposium at none other than uh the National Museum of the Pacific War that I ended up working for less than a year later nice. so he kind of it was just guys it's just this crazy domino effect mm-hmm. how all these things just have built and you you just kind of see the snowball effect so much um through so many things so yeah so that happened and then, Gosh, I've had so many great phone calls with people from all over the country and, and out of the country. So I guess we'll touch a little bit on, you know, Galen was talking about the 80th of Tarawa, right? So, yep. um, I have an opportunity, uh, to go to Tarawa for the 80th. Clay Evans w- would be the guide in November. Um, was just on the phone tonight with the guy that's setting it up, who was also a guest on here, Scott F- uh, Freund from Liberty Jump Team. Mm-hmm. And, um, he said, "Man, he said it's. It, they're still working out details because to go from Fiji to Tarawa, it, the flights only go every three days, and so, wow. yeah, because it's. I mean,
1: it's, it's spatial, almost like right? a NASA trip. You you got to hit the window.
3: You got to hit. <laughs> yeah, you got to hit the window. And the issue is after that three days is up, which we're only going to have one day where we have like a guided tour." Um, So the next two days, you're just going to look at trash that's piled up on that island. It's a shame. Um, We go back to Fiji, and then the connecting flight to Guadalcanal is literally five minutes after we land. So that's not going to happen. And then it would be another three days waiting to try (laughs) to get back to. So as we're working through those details right now, um, something else, you know, for the past few weeks, there was something about the trip that just didn't feel right to me. I don't know. I just can't put my my finger on it. And then this past Friday night, I get a phone call, mm, 10 o'clock at night. Now, you guys may know this. I did not know that you could get a phone call through Instagram, like an audio call. Through I Instagram.
1: know you can. Get, you can call people through Facebook Messenger. And since they own Instagram, it, it would make same sense. Thing. Yeah. Yes.
3: Same thing. Uh-huh. I, I, so didn't had no idea that was that was a thing.
1: <laughs> What's this weird ringtone?
3: Yeah, well, I, my phone doesn't make any noise because it would always be making noise. So my mind stays completely off. So I actually missed it and I thought it was an accident because I looked at who it was from and, and none other than ACAC, Scott Gibson, right? Really? And I'm like, he probably that was an accidental thing. That, 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 you know, That's a butt dial. <laughs> right? So I called him just to kind of see and he didn't answer. So like, yeah, okay, that was that's funny, Whatever, it was an accident. And then maybe forty five minutes later he calls me back, so I answer it. He's like, "Hey, brother, what's going on?" I'm like, "Hang on, I'm on the phone with Akak, so I'm kind of freaking out." (laughs) You know, of my first reaction, I'm not like Henry, right? I have not, um, I've not done the hobnobbing quite to the extent that he has. Well, he
1: did big time snafu as a child, so he got an early start.
3: Exactly. He's kind of he's groomed. I'm still working. I'm fumbling my way through this through this this racket here. So anyway, we we're just kind of talking back and forth, and um. He he mentioned an organization that he that he does some work for that they go to Normandy every year, right? And they go to a couple different places, and and he just kind of was like, you know, man, you know, you should come to Normandy this year, and I'm like, dude, when uh, that'd be cool, November? <laughs> you know, I was like, however, <laughs> 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 this November, <laughs> you yep. know, 80th at Tarawa.
1: one world traveling trip a year, thanks.
3: yeah yeah so he's like oh dude you know well you should do both if you can and i'm like well yeah so i I do have a wife that i'd kind of like to keep (laughs) so um but again it was as i was on the phone and he's talking the details i said scott i said man i'll be honest like there's something about this tarot trip that i just i'm just not sure about and and i said so tell me tell me more about this thing And, and like i said we're on the phone for like an hour or so And at the end of it, I thought, you know, man, I think I already kind of made up my mind. Why why would I not, you know, go to Normandy for the 79th anniversary this June? Um, It's not during the school year, so it doesn't put me in a bind like November would for three weeks out on the other side of the globe, right before semester exams. Like I can only imagine, you know. Anyway, so well,
1: that and I think if if the three day window, NASA equation wasn't an issue i think that decision would have been a lot harder for you to make but there just seems to be so many potential hurdles in that trip and a a huge likelihood of being stuck or waiting someplace for long extended amounts of time that probably made that decision a hell of a lot easier
3: absolutely and i've already flown across the atlantic once i've got some experience there Uh, you know um so uh yeah i think that's i think that's what what's gonna happen and i still have to and i know for for tarwa or for that fiji or actually to even get to fiji you've got to have the stick and you've got to have the booster
1: oh wow yeah, wouldn't so be I was like,
3: hmm, well there's no decision for me on that now <laughs> that's uh so you guys might become
1: game. the fort morgan alabama <laughs> 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 yeah
3: so uh yeah i think I, I think that's what i'm gonna do so um I one of the guys that I invited to come with us to to Tarawa, who is he's a combat medic stationed in Germany right now. He was going to be stateside in September and get back just in time to turn around and, and fly over with me. Um, I, you know, I kind of told him this, this scenario and he's like, well, dude, if you're not going, I'm not going. And he goes, but yeah, if you come to Normandy, I can drive said, there. I'll be in Germany <laughs> till September. He's like, I was in Normandy two weeks ago. He's like, I'll take you wherever you want to go. I'll show you around. No Sweet. big deal. So the next person I contacted was Layton. And uh he was just like, dude, when are we going? <laughs> are you here yet? <laughs> so we had some great conversations the last couple of days and it I mean, uh you know, I told him, I said, Look, I turned forty on June third.
1: Oh, that's it, cute.
3: It it'd be pretty cool to do that at a bomber base in England. Oh, you know, yeah. Maybe would fly be. there for a day or two and then go with him to Normandy and, and link up with my buddy there and, and find a place to stay. And now you so, gotta make and Henry course, and
1: I a promise.
3: Uh, y- y'all could be considered carry on. You need to come with me. That's that's not an option. Well,
1: you'd have to pretend to be a hockey player because those would be some big ass bags. But um, no, you have to be. You got to promise us that you will walk through Normandy in your newly acquired all leather <laughs> forty two jump jacket. <laughs> we have not talked about that on the show yet. Um, explain to the audience what you have and where you got it because this is probably <laughs> one of three that in existence, if not one of one.
3: Yeah, it's. So um yeah, if you're familiar with the M forty two and I mean it is
1: And if you're not just think of Band of Brothers Right Jump Jacket with all the pockets. Yeah,
3: exactly, with all the pockets. Uh, you know, it's got the belt. Um and it, it fits me like a glove.
1: Explain and it for the audience who who are listening to the Audible version and not seeing the video. What what abs-
3: Yeah, absolutely. So um it's huh. How it came about was a good friend of mine who again we've had as a guest on the podcast Mr Brandon Vineyard whose father ran the most unbelievable and most complete World War II field kitchen in, in the country um we had lost him I guess it's been oh man maybe a year or so ago now it's been a, it's been a little while mm-hmm. um he just kind of contacted me one day and he goes, hey man he said me and my brother were were gifted. Uh, custom leather M42 jackets when they were over in, in Normandy because he used to jump with Liberty Jump Team. And he was there for the 60th in 04. So he got to see a lot of the yeah. guys that were still left. And he got his mohawk haircut and you know all, all that stuff by these veterans. And um, this was uh, worn by a guy who I think – and, and I have the complete story, and I can share it with you guys, but it was actually a Japanese-American soldier who was was airborne qualified shortly after the D-Day invasion, ended up eventually in the 442nd, uh, served in Korea, served in Vietnam um, as, as an airborne paratrooper. So as a career soldier, retired out, and I guess for whatever, I think his name was Bob, uh, and I may butcher the last name, maybe Izuki. something close to that um but had had this this jacket custom made and brandon was like hey do you want it and i'm like does it fit yeah yeah so uh just nice enough to to mail it to me just in time for christmas and i i wear it every day send send us a
1: new picture so we can put up on the a new, not nude, a new picture so we can post it on the page tomorrow. I know with my speech impediment, you may misinterpret that. I might get some weird photos. So a new photo of you with the jacket on. You can send me Yeah, I will email, do, man, for sure.
3: Yeah, we'll post that up. People, people talk to me all the time. You know, I, I get compliments on like, "Oh, that's a really nice jacket." And I'm like, "Well, actually, it's a World War II." You're like, okay, yeah, I'm sure it has something to do with history. Okay, we don't know the whole story. Oh, you know how you know the look you get. Like, okay. Well,
1: no, it's funny. I I forgot all about it until just now. So. It got cold here, and it was raining one day, and so I had got, around Christmas, um, at the front had their closeout sales, and I got the P-44 camo equivalent of the Army HBT jacket, the one that's not reversible, but apparently the the thread... The thread crew would have noticed, I guess, on this particular jacket or running jackets, the thread count was wrong on the right pocket or whatever. And so these things were marked down to like 32 bucks during Christmas. And so I picked one up. I don't care about the thread count. And so I'm wearing it. And, and plus, I don't like to wear my Marine Corps stuff because it has EGA on it. And I don't want people to think I served in the Marines when I didn't. And so the Army one doesn't have the EGA. It's just it's the green side out, not reversible. So I'm standing in uh, Lowe's looking for something for my kayak. And this guy walks through and goes, you going hunting? I was like, no. And in my mind, I'm saying, don't do it. Shut up. But the historian in me said, actually, besides, this jacket was pretty much designed to hunt Germans. This was the first camo pattern <laughs> issued to the Army in 1944, but they didn't really use it because after they deployed it, they realized from a far distance that it looked like the German World War II, I mean, camouflage. And, <coughs> and I was like, so, you know, people say there was no U.S. Army camouflage in World War II. But this, and he's like, Yeah. Served in the army, his rank and his years and this and that and everything else, but yeah, it's like don't inadvertently ask a historian about his clothes because you'll get way more than you you bargain for. It just, it just comes with it.
3: Absolutely, yeah. I, actually, one of my favorite impressions is uh, I have an uh, an army um, the the frogskins uh, from the Pacific, you know, side of things like Alamo Scouts mm-hmm. um, because that's just my heritage. First Cav Recon Scouts uh, got to do. You know, gotta do that in the Southwest Pacific. So that's actually that's one of my army combat uniforms. It's kind of a, a favorite for people, especially my son. He's like, Oh, you gotta wear that, you know. I'm like, I'm not gonna wear that to an air show, son. I have all this awesome air corps stuff. I'm not gonna wear army frock skins to an air show, you know, but and double buckles and everything, which double buckles are I'm not a big fan of those. They're they're not very comfortable for me, but um but yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about for sure. That's that's a cool pattern. Um so yeah, gosh, oh my gosh, I have so much. Um I think I sent you guys a text earlier that, yeah, like out of the blue last night, um, set my alarm on my phone and I, I get a new follow from from Alex Kershaw. I'm like, holy smokes, you know, where did this come from? And, um, you know, I know I've talked about his book before. I've obviously, he's uh, written uh, multiple books, but I've only read uh, The Few, which I highly recommend because it's just an unbelievable story. And, Henry, I think you're familiar with The Few, correct? Yeah, Oh yeah, yeah. you yeah. Oh, man, what a seven Americans that had to fight, you know, the whole uh almost like an espionage thing, really, treason because We were still not at war yet with Germany, and these guys were doing everything they can to not get executed Mm -hmm. for leaving the country, linking up with a shady guy on a park bench in (laughs) Montreal to catch a plane, to catch a train, to catch another plane, to sneak over in a cargo hold just to fly Spitfires or Hurricanes in the Battle of Britain. It was just an unbelievable story about these six or seven, these few american mm-hmm. pilots that saw action in battle of britain and it just blew me away I, it just i don't know what made me pick the book up but i did and i'm so glad i did and then alex kershaw the author's following like, wow this is amazing so hopefully we can you know and hopefully have him on
1: i think three or four episodes i did quite i don't know i did 20 30 minutes on the longest winter. i just finished that book that was a great book that you had sent me by the way we haven't done this in a while What's up, JT Rocker ninety nine? Joining us on the uh, YouTube live stream. He says, "Howdy, guys!" So, what's going on, fella? Thanks for hanging out. Um, before we get to the rest of your your catch up stuff, want to uh, let's do a quick mail call. You guys have been blowing us away with the mail call. This is like the third week in a row that we've gotten like just unexpected emails. And so we're going to give Jeff the honors to read this one. Um, we're not going to read the entire thing because it's like 10 paragraphs long. It's a beautiful email, but we're going to get down the brass tacks. And if you guys want to email us and have us read it on the air, please email us at mailcallwtspworldwar 2com Or, you know, if it's more up your alley, you can just send it directly to our Facebook or Instagram through a direct message. But you can either email us or DM us, and either way we will read it to the audience. So uh, go ahead, Jeff.
3: Yeah, this was, uh, this came from uh, Rona Bushbaum and. Yeah, I, I am going to, uh, I'm only going to edit out some some words here, not because they're not important, uh, only because just for the sake of time, because like Don said, it, it is a lengthy email. So uh, she writes, Dear Don, Jeff, and Henry, uh, this letter was started over a month ago on December 7th in Honolulu, to be specific, but the holiday, surgery, life in general prevented its completion. I recently planned on abandoning it altogether until you read Mail Call this week, and Henry pointedly mentioned that you guys really did enjoy hearing from people. So in that vein... Here it is. I stumbled across your podcast this spring via Henry's interview with Angus Wallace, and it's now my favorite World War II-based podcast, as your tagline claims. You three make me feel like I'm just sitting around with buddies shooting the shit about World War II. Even when the discussion veers off topic, it's always interesting. (laughs) We do veer off topic. (laughs) None of you claim to be an expert, but as Henry once put it, you share a passion for the subject matter, just like us listeners. My main passions are everything PTO, Pearl Harbor, logistics, World War II-era medicine, graves registration service, mainly a lot of things that speak to the human experience and the terrible cost of war. ETO is fascinating as well, but the PTO for me truly exemplifies ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances doing extraordinary things. There is something so compelling to me about these young boys in far-flung specks of sand on the other side of the world in alien landscapes fighting an enemy from a culture so foreign to their own. I perhaps am also morbidly drawn to certain details of Pearl Harbor because of what I do for a living. I'm a burn ICU nurse at a major trauma center and have been for the past 12 years. I think about the massive burn injuries sustained by those men on December 7th and can see them exactly as if I was there and the trauma nurse in in me longs to travel back in time to help them. My heart and gut goes out to them and what they had to endure to heal if they survived at all. If there's one thing worse than getting burned, it's the treatment for burns. And this is especially applied to the 1940s and the treatment modalities of the time. Studying World War II is a solitary endeavor for me. Aside from my son, who is a military history freak, but as a 21 year old, Riley doesn't want to hang out all that much with his mom anymore. There is no one in my circle who enjoys studying or discussing World War II. So in effect, You three are my World War II community. I'm not a World War II reenactor, but our family did Civil War reenacting for years and when my kids were teenagers. So I'm familiar with the thread counters and the living history community and enjoy hearing you and Jeff talk about details of the hobby and your various events. Uh, So she goes on to talk about some of the things that she got to uh, visit in Honolulu. Uh, She's been lucky enough to be at Pearl Harbor for the 80th and 81st anniversary of the attacks. Um, she's been a pro at least a half a dozen times in the past, which is just, it's unbelievable. She said, last year I brought my son and his friend, both history majors. This year it was my husband who does not have the World War II disease, but accompanies me on these things because he's a good man. I regret severely that we didn't come many years ago when more survivors were alive, but I hadn't yet caught the disease. Boy, I think we all feel that way, don't we? True. Um, she says, Don, you've indicated that you wanted some more books. You've also mentioned you prefer the personalized accounts from veterans, so she, uh, I guess she is sending you uh, some information and, and some books about uh, first-hand accounts from uh, survivors, uh, from Pearl, Wheeler Army Airfield, uh, Naval Air Station, Kenny Owe, uh Ewa, and um, Hickam as well. Um, so, and then, uh, sorry, nothing on this trip for Jeff or Henry. Jeff, <laughs> I've seen some of your book collection behind you on YouTube, and you look like you're all set. Henry, <laughs> you have your dad's Bible and writings. And that just about beats all. <laughs> so yeah, I think we agree with her there. So she's
1: saying, I'm the charity case, is what she's basically, <laughs> which is fine. I'll take charity. That's all right. Uh, let's see. So uh,
3: I'm going to finish up here with a note for Henry. This past spring, we visited the World War II Museum in New Orleans. Being in that part of the country for the first time, we side-tripped to Mobile to tour the USS Alabama and USS Drum. My son asked if we wouldn't mind stopping at your dad's gravesite to pay his respects. Now, I know enough folks have mentioned the profound effect your dad's writing has had on them, so I won't belabor that point. Suffice it to say... Uh, With the Old Breed has made a huge impact on us. I'm grateful to your father's writing and for your continued efforts to keep his legacy alive. Hear, hear. Uh, Note for Jeff. My son wants to be either a museum curator or a high school history teacher. You are proof that one can do both. This spring or summer, we're hoping to go to Texas to finally visit the National Museum of the Pacific War, and we'll visit the Highland Lake Squadron, hopefully when you have an event happening. Your reading recommendations are always appreciated. And of course, thank you for your service to our country. Uh, I've attached some pictures to this email from the past two Pearl Harbor anniversary events. Sincerely, Rona Bushbaum, San Jose, California. P.S. I love the what you're reading, what you reading, <laughs> and routinely add to my collection based on your recommendations. I'm currently reading The Battle of Okinawa, The Blood and the Bomb by George Pfeiffer Rona. We uh thank you. That's a beautiful email. And it is really beautiful. And I told these two guys when I read it that I'm going to reread this email multiple times because I know there's going to be days where, you know, we all have busy lives. We have all these things going on and we're, you know, juggling the kids and cooking with your foot and driving with your knee and everything that we feel like we're juggling in our lives. And then we sit down and do a podcast. We're like, man, I hope somebody's listening to us. And Somebody is, and Rona, we're proud to be part of your World War II community.
1: And if you guys want to help support the show, um, one, send an email. Two, share us with your friends. Share us on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Send an email. Just verbally say, hey, check out this podcast if you know a like-minded person. And as always, you can head over to 2.com click on that Patreon link, sign up, and subscribe. we got three plans. One's a dollar a month, one's $350, one, 750 Um, You get some free stickers and this and that. Um we do have the new logo, which if you guys are watching visually on the stream, you can see it down in the bottom left. Um my left my it would be the right side of your screen, it's my left. Um but yep, and we are gonna work we are working on getting that on t-shirts. So I have the old school original t-shirt. We're gonna have the new one, and for those of you who are a member of Patreon, I am printing up and I'm not lying before the show, I am printing up new versions. So I printed up old versions of the sticker. I was gonna mail it to you guys. Um I do have to redo these because I need to change the punchline that your favorite World War II-based podcast because in that stencil uh, font, the letters lift. So I need to change the font on that. So those are going, I'm going to send you guys those, too, so you're going to get more than one sticker. Um, but, yeah, we're going to make some smaller ones, too. So the new logo is going to be out in sticker format. Um, even if you're not a Patreon member, it's just email us, I mail mean, call at WTSP World War II, say you want a sticker, and we'll send them out to you and uh, we'll put up links to the new shirts all the old shirts are still available just click on the merch link on our website and um that covers all the plugs so henry what do you got going on friend
0: uh, i'm still reading uh big week by james holland well, well and, if we're doing
1: uh, that segment let me let me make the listeners happy oh what you well, reading?
0: Uh, yeah well okay didn't didn't mean to jump <laughs> no, no, off no on worries that. no man I'm, it's just just enjoying another show with you guys uh so so that's, what but.
1: So that's huh? you're so you're reading that one. So I'm finishing up a uh, and a prayer and then I'm going to mail that to you cuz I think you're going to love that book.
0: Look forward to to reading it.
1: Jeff, what you reading?
3: <laughs> well, you know, I was hesitant. I was trying to think about how do I want to introduce what I'm reading right now? And I've been reading it for quite some time. Um and and I have it behind me here. Uh it's just called Patriots uh by AJ Langeth, The Men Who Started The American Revolution, a breathtaking portrait of boldness, courage, and sheer youthful vitality, according to Newsweek. So here's the cover. And our listeners are like, uh, dude, that has nothing to do with World War II. How does this help me? And I gotta be honest. So, you know, I'm 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 studying history. It's my major, that's my degree plan. That's what I spend so much time on throughout the week, all my history homework. And, you know, I think I have mentioned this before, right? So really to, to, to really understand the air war and the bomber mafia you really truly do need to dig deep into the interwar years and the first world war to really understand the aviation aspect of what became world war ii and the decisions that were made based on the information at hand um and but i think that really kind of goes for anything and um to really immerse yourself because we are coming up on living living history season right you know i've got um I've got an air show coming up in March. I've got a tactical I was invited to in May. i got another air show I was uh, invited to perform at in May as well. All those things. Um, to really immerse yourselves, uh, there were not guys serving in World War II that were probably reading the books that we do unless – well, they weren't. <laughs> Plain and simple. So I started thinking, okay, uh, uh, my, my war, the Iraq-Afghanistan era, had a lot of guys that were Vietnam buffs. And I'm sure there were guys in Vietnam that were probably Civil War buffs. So why would there not be World War II guys that were Revolutionary War buffs? And we're talking about Ticonderoga and Benedict Arnold and Thomas Jefferson and Hancock and Washington when they were sitting there waiting to storm the beach Hmm. somewhere. Um, So that thought really occurred to me. I said, you know what? Okay, I can excuse myself because I feel like a traitor not reading about World War II, but I'm still – immersed in the World War II experience by learning what our forefathers did uh, to create the country that we have, to create the military we had, to the standards, to what we did in World War II.
1: And to put a finer point on it, I think Henry's father pointed out in his book that after his first taste of combat, hey, this isn't exactly like what we are reading about the Civil War books <laughs> and the Revolutionary War stuff. And so, yeah, to put a finer point on it, that's a lot of those, those men and you know, they were kids when they enlisted and became men that they were, a lot of them were history buffs. And I think, you know, Henry could probably speak to that a little bit too, but yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, and uh, going back, like you say, Jeff, I mean that it helps you encapsulate all the knowledge It increases your perspective and broadens your perspective.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can be armchair generals all day long and, and we enjoy doing it and we have the luxury of doing it, but um, yeah, as history buffs, I don't think there's any uh, particular era that we that we wouldn't enjoy. And so I I challenge and I encourage our listeners to maybe think outside the box a little bit sometimes, and you know, pick up a book about the psalm or Gettysburg, you know, or uh, the Battle of Trenton, and and you'll see the similarities. And I've said this so many times that war war is war. Uh, the names change, the faces change, but every platoon of men, back to the you know the, the Greek phalanx, you you had the same type of individuals that that were fighting next to you, and um, there, there's a commonality there that it doesn't matter uh, what weapon they're wielding or what battlefront they're on. There there is there is a sense of uh, there is a link there through time that is the phenomenon that we refer to simply as combat. And uh, to appreciate and to understand all of it, uh, I think makes you not only a better historian and and, and better a well versed person, but uh, a little bit more empathetic to those that that smelled and and, and tasted what they did um, on any battlefield.
1: And furthermore, and, as you read some of the books, um, a lot of times it's brought up about Hitler and even some of the Japanese commanders. A lot of them make references to the, the past wars that they studied to get their combat, you know, st- idealisms. And plus, over in Europe, a lot of those battlegrounds were battlegrounds many, many times. They weren't just battlegrounds during World War II. They were battlegrounds during World War One and uh, and plenty of other, you know, land wars over there. And so it'll kind of help tie a lot of that together when you're reading and you're hearing references made to generals from the past. Um, you know, it'll help help tie all that stuff together for you. Absolutely. Um, I wish I had it here. I left it at work because I've been drinking out of it. A little segment of what you collecting? (laughs) It it, it was so funny because poor Josh at work, he, he sees me come back from the post office box during my lunch. Now he's got a little new thing and I pull out this little white mug and I plop it down on my desk and he's like, what's that? I said, what do you think it is? Looks like a mug. Yeah. What's wrong with it? Where's the handle? I said, this is what they call it, a, a watchman milk cup or a watchman mug. That way when you're up on the naval ship or uh, and you're on watch and it's cold, you can heat your hands up with it. And I was at an event not too long ago, and Jeremy and uh, Jr from Georgia, they were down there, and it was cold weekend, and they had two or three of them, and I was showing out one. And, and uh, they told me, hey, if you see these things, scoop them up because they're getting harder and harder to find. And uh, I sent a picture to... Jeff a few days later because I was working late. That's why we moved this episode to today because I didn't get off work to like 9 o'clock on Monday. and I sent you guys a picture of me holding it in front of my monitors and Jeff said, like, hey, I've been looking for one of those. I looked at Josh and said, see, told you. <laughs> I'm not the only one crazy to buy an 80-year-old uh, cornyware which is made by Corning Company. So, um, they are all over eBay. I did. I did steal that one. One of the things I love to do on eBay is catch someone slipping. I like to catch the auctions that no one, everybody else is sleeping on, and so you get the nice price instead of the marked up bid price. And I got that one for the opening bid price, so I was happy on that. And I am drinking my coffee out of it. I ain't scared. So, <laughs> I, scared. well done, man.
3: Yeah, and and I think there's such there's a famous photo. Uh, maybe you can put it on our website. But uh, the you know, you Don's always shaking his head, right? The the marine on the Arthur Middleton, I think, was the name. His APA twenty five, I want to say, and and he's standing there, and you know, his dungarees are all jacked up, and it looks like he just rolled around in a bunch of volcanic ash. You know, and he has one in his hands. Yeah, it has got a guy just cradling his hand, and it's just like you can tell this this, this cup of coffee is like the best thing that this guy's experienced in the last week or possibly month, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the guys and, yeah, behind I mean, him
1: sitting just... at the table all have them in their hands, too. And that's such Absolutely. a great – and I showed him that photo, too. it like, I look familiar? And that's such a – and his – you know, his his – his wrists are at this weird angle almost. It almost looks like his arms are fake. You can't see his wrist. he has got a weird... He's just covered in grease and soot and yeah. slime. Like, you can't... His, his, he almost looks like he just got done, you know, uh, packing uh, wheel bearings in an old an old Ford. You know, his hands are just completely just black and slimy. He's got this bright white handless mug in his hand, which in a black and white photo just sticks out so well. And it's such a great famous photo. Because yeah. as Jeff said, yeah. he just all he cared about was that cup of joe. Yeah. And it kind of, maybe they gave a little homage to it in the Pacific. Remember, they're all sitting around, oh, who's ever heard yes. of canal? And like, are you kidding me? The, 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 the Navy guys. The guys
0: are, like, are heroes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when he, he takes that coffee, I, I was thinking that exact thought when you said that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, I know he had, his was a mug, but that just the way he's cradling it. hmm Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what else is going on in your world, Henry? We kind of stepped on you when you brought up the book, but I wanted to get that part of the show out of the way.
0: No, not at all, man. Um, just really busy at work, but um, yeah, just plugging away, working on my own thing there, book project. I got a lot done on that over the weekend. Um, you know, with my son's activities, it seems like I only have one or two days a week. I can really do anything with it. Um, I, think I'm, I think Layton wants to have Saul, David, and me on the We Happy Few podcast. Nice. They they had been talking about having us back. So I think next week we're going to do that. So uh, I guess talk about devil dogs. But, but that's really about it right now.
1: Now, obviously, we don't want to shine any light of any shape or form on your project, but you have hinted you are writing some stuff. Have you found that the more time you spend getting words on paper, the easier the process is coming to you because of it, the it um, practice...
0: Yeah, it, it does. I mean, it kind of has its own critical mass just because the unpublished material is the heart of it. You know, and and so I I add my own voice to just fill in the gaps between the unpublished portions, you know, cuz I I'm, I'm trying to keep it focused on that. I don't want to redo with the old breed. Yeah. You know. So, um but yeah, it it's it's a slow process, but it's when I sit down and can put time to it, it it's going okay.
1: plus it's your real first time going down this trail and just like anything else you do for the first time, whether you're doing comedy or writing songs or writing books, you know, it you have to quote unquote, find your voice, what works for you and how, you know, and as you put more time in it, it just comes quicker and smoother and probably become a little easier for you.
0: Yeah. And I'm excited to
1: see the uh, end product on that. So what else? Yeah. I
0: wish I was closer to it, but, but we'll get there. Yeah
1: like johnny cash man one piece at a time You have that. so
3: i think what henry's really hinting to is is what he really wants to do is take like four or five days of vacation here in texas uh you know around that spring break area come to my air show see what it's about get some time off out here in god's country and really kind of step away and get some get some work done on this book that's what i'm <laughs>
0: Yeah, that that would be
3: that
1: would be cool. Let me put a little warning out there because I experienced it firsthand out there in God's country. They got big ass brown tarantulas. <laughs> I found one of my my the uh, place I was staying a beautiful place. It's we just got back from the USO show and I'm walking through and I been late night and I'm walking through and I see this big ass hairy thing on the floor. It's like, Get on my phone, Texas tran Oh wow, they got tarantulas here in Texas. So I went to the kitchen, got a cup. Put it on top. Said, I'll deal with this in the morning. Things. I don't want it in my bed. I went to bed the next morning. She was still there. Ugh. Got a piece of paper, slid it under, took her outside and let her go. But yeah, I just put a cup on her with the beds. So I'll do that tomorrow.
3: I think I've seen three the whole time I've lived here. No, I, it I was there for three it, days, man. and there, I mean, there she was. Yeah. <laughs> And everything is bigger in Texas, so it may not have even been a tarantula. You know, <laughs> it could have just been a wolf spider. Like yeah, a oh, wolf spider.
1: oh, I got wolf you know? spiders and brown recluses down here. I I, I know what those look like. Now, this, this bad boy was a brown Texas tarantula because I Googled yeah. it. Like, I know I've been drinking, but <laughs> tarantulas here. <laughs> yep. Put <laughs> the mug on and went to bed. Well, well, that's okay. The... Henry,
3: Henry's not scared. And, and, you know, Don, obviously, you know, this invite goes to you too. I know you've kind of already made the trip here, but. Frontier airline's pretty cheap. I'll pick you up in Dallas, come down, spend a weekend.
1: Yes, when I made the trip back to Ohio for um the funeral, they just announced, hey, starting next week, we're flying to Dallas. so sweet that, uh, and yeah, as you just alluded to, little pro tip for those you flying frontier. Put on all your clothes, and leave everything else at home because then you won't have to pay the seventy dollars for your baggage fee. But other than that, it's, it's a it's a good flight. They'll get the, they nickel and dime you. I hadn't flown in a long time. When I lived out in California, I flew a lot to get back to my family. But since here in Florida, it's just a seventeen hour drive. And uh, so I haven't driven, I haven't flown in years. And so I go check in and like you're good to go. I'm like, where's my boarding pass? And they looked at me and said, you got you got a, a smartphone? I was like, yeah, like. Download the app. Otherwise, we got to charge you $38 to print a boarding pass. I'm like, Good Google Lord. Play Store, Frontier app download. Jeez. They gave me my confirmation code. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, they wanted $38. And then show a little age. Henry, you remember these days. Once again, I hadn't flown probably 10, 12 years. Back before when I had flown, it was before inflation and airlines got cheaper plus money hungry. Back in the day, uh, like, I don't know, 2010. <laughs> When they saw your six foot five ass come, they said, Hey, you're tall. Would you like the bulkhead seat, a little extra leg room? You're like, Yes, like come this way. Now it's, Hey, you're tall. Would you like the bulkhead seat? You're like, Yeah, like, okay, that's an upgrade fee. Cough it up, sucker. (laughs) Oh, man. But I will say, after we got up in the air, because the flight was not even close to being full, when we get, because I asked before we got uh, to off, I said, Hey, um, after we get up in the air, can I move over there? Like, got to charge you. like, That sucks. But after we got up in the air, he came and tapped on my shoulder and said, Ahead and move. So they did do the, the they did do me a solid and put me in the, oh, that's cool. in, Right in front of the, the, um, e- ejections, the door. So I was able to spread my, my tall, lanky ass legs out a little bit. But yeah. So, uh, short man's world. I'm just living in it. But, uh, you guys have anything else you want to cover before we wrap up this episode?
3: Ah. Uh-huh. I don't think so. I'm glad I could be with you guys. I feel like a you know a guest at the. I don't feel like a host anymore. It's been so long. You're a busy man, but I'll get. I, I you know it'll start slowing it down, guys.
1: I will say your internet has been superb tonight, with the exception of like 38 seconds during the email you're reading. You have not maxed headroomed all night, so your your internet was coming through strong tonight. No audible issues at all. So that's a that's a plus.
3: All right. The, those recl- those uh, tarantulas must have moved out of the way of the signals. What yeah. happened?
1: And for those of you guys who watch the video podcast, you'll notice that my screen didn't go green tonight. You didn't have to look at a thumbnail. Poor Henry had to spend uh, 120 minutes looking at a thumbnail two weeks ago because I had to cut my video because I was more worried about the audio. We got a new computer here in the uh, Digital 410 studio, a lot more resources. And as you can see, the video and the audio is superb. And we want to thank everybody for your continued support. Um, If you listen to the What's Your Head podcast the other day, I mentioned that that was my 410th episode of doing any podcast tonight. It was my 412th, so maybe by 415, I'll get halfway decent at this sort of thing, and uh, (laughs) and maybe you all want to listen more. But I want to thank each and every one of you for your continued support. Thanks to Henry and uh, Jeff for making this podcast what it is, and thanks to the audience for reaching out and sending us the emails. We love that. Thank you, Rona. And uh, Instagram. Our Instagram numbers are grown. We're uh, we're damn near to 500, which doesn't sound like a lot, but we've only had an Instagram page for, what, six months or so? So our Instagram page hasn't been around very long. So, yeah, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and, of course, WTSPWorldWar2.com, which you can find a link on YouTube and watch us live every Monday. We're just Wednesday in it tonight because, well, work and such. So uh, thank you guys very much, and maybe, who knows, maybe next week we'll actually have a theme song again that won't get us um uh, smacked on the wrist by the fine people over at YouTube but that's the remains to be seen so for myself, Jeff and Henry, thank you guys and we will talk to you all next week. this has been a digital four ten production. <laughs>